This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast. Well, we're so grateful, Jill, always to have you with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is such a unique season for the world. And first, what everybody's going to want to know, what I want to know is how are you in this time and how is Stuart? We're good. And apparently we've still got lots to do down here. That's right. <laughs> Sends his greetings, Jenny. Mm. So lots happening in our lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So I know your sister, this has been a really difficult time for you. Tell everybody a little bit. Well, three weeks ago, she went to heaven with the virus. She lives in England, UK. When I got the news at four in the morning, I went into a little bit of a shock, but immediately felt the distance of America and Britain. Mm. We immigrated here 50 years ago. That has always been incredible trauma when there's been a death of my mom or anything because I'm so far away. Uh, I see on the television that that's the cry of most people who cannot go and be there with their loved ones at this moment. And I understand, and I understood it all in vivid technicolor three weeks ago. Anyway, as I immediately ran to the deep place where nobody goes, as I put it, and had a conversation with the Lord in the steps of my soul, he said to me, Jill, do you remember the last sermon that you preached? He always does this to me. Very embarrassing. Yes, Lord. It's about prayer. Yes. What was it called? You can go anywhere on your knees, Lord. Go then. So for three terrible weeks, I went and was able to, in my heart, take her hand, which her sons and husbands were doing for 16 terrible days as she walked through the valley. But I discovered what I preach on that too, where there's a shadow. It's only the shadow of death. Where there's a shadow, there's always light, right? That's what he said. So there was light in my heart, enough, not a loud light, but enough to read his word and uh, say what I wanted to say. And for all those days, one of my nephews repeated what I gave him on the phone in the daytime here into my sister's heart. And I always ended, listen, listen to me. See you soon. Mm. See you soon. That's the hope of the Christian. Hope being certainty. And I go back to that favorite psalm. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, for I am with you all the way home. So those of you who are going to walk that valley, cast yourself into the arms of the shepherd. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. Right here, right now, right there. And then know that as you walk through the valley, or if not this time, when your time comes, or someone else you love, where there's a shadow, there's always light. And one day, no more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering. New bodies, new earth, new heaven, and all the people you love waiting. Jill, I remember when we met, I had this overwhelming sense that you were supposed to be part of if gathering. I don't even think if had started, but specifically what I realized now and what I sensed then was to show us the way home. 
And you did that the first day that you stood before all of us and you're doing that today. And I just, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I'm so grateful for how you trust and love Jesus and how it helps us trust and love Jesus. And specifically, that's why I wanted to visit today was because it's, you know, there's some days it's easier to to trust and love Jesus. And then there's other days that that everybody's very confused and it feels like we're spinning and we don't know how to put our feet down. Yes. And so I'd love to ask you a few questions just about endurance and about perseverance, because you've walked through many seasons of life that have not been easy. And I'd love to know, you know, and I know, you know, for us, this isn't hard. Let me be realistic. For many of us that haven't lost somebody we love yet, we're just at home, you know, homeschooling kids and trying to run to the grocery store, you know, and find a mask and toilet paper, you know, like this isn't actual suffering. I definitely have that perspective for many of us. For some, it is. For some, they are on the front lines of this virus or they are fighting for their lives or they're fighting in prayer for a loved one. But I want to talk about a time that you've you've experienced that where you had to endure and how God was faithful to you in that. I'm a world traveler, as you know. I've visited the killing fields of Cambodia. I've visited all sorts of unbelievable hellish places for world relief. And any suffering I've endured pales into insignificance to the things I've seen abroad, India, unbelievable. And I have learned from the Christians there, whether they're illiterate or brilliant, Those that have a relationship with God have all the power and help from heaven they need, whatever happens. My husband preached a wonderful series on Philippians. He called it Whatever Happens. I have read that book over and over again to remind me, whatever happens, Paul said it, if you know God, he will be all you need. He'll be your high tower. He'll be your help in ages past, the strength in years to come. You, you've got to know him. And the first verse of that psalm says it, is the Lord your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. And it's knowing that. And even if you haven't got to know him very well, it doesn't matter, you know him. So endurance means finding out how to apply the Bible every single moment of every day, basically. You've got to know it. You've got to read it. You've got to learn it. You've got to mark it. You've got to memorize it. It's the word that will feed you and help you and comfort you and strengthen you. And so you learn the hard way (laughs) when something hard hits you. And the problem is when something does hit you like this, the first reaction is, why did you let this happen, Lord? Where were you, God, standing in the corner of my life with your hands in your pockets? Where were you, Lord? Well, the thing to do is just get on your knees and say, sorry, Lord, (laughs) help me. That's a great cry. And if you don't know what to say, don't. Just say, read me, Lord. Just kneel down now where you are and say, read me, Lord. And then ask him to give you his thoughts. Give your mind to him. And ask the Holy Spirit, if you know him, you have Jesus of the self, third person of the Trinity living inside you. He will explain his word to you. Go and get your Bible and just start and read, doesn't matter where, and just say, read me as I read your word. Show yourself to me, and he will. And practice that and you will endure. There's no other way. You do your part, he'll do his. Let's talk about the people right now that feel alone, that feel alone in their house, 
that can't see their kids or maybe they're single, they aren't with family. Talk to them just a little bit about what it feels like just to walk with Jesus in this unique season of just being so isolated. First, something I've been praying about for those of you out there who are locked up to your family is, isn't, isn't the good side of it. It's are you in the middle of a divorce? Are you living with somebody that abuses you? What's happening in your family could be a bigger battle than what's happening outside your door. Mm. And what do you do? Well, you have a high tower to run into and do what I've just told you. Cast yourself on the Lord. He will help you being shut up to the situation that you're in. I've, I've had more conversations with people. The last place they want to be is in their home at the moment mm. for different reasons. And so this is your dark valley. But remember, there's light there for you. And then there's those of us that have wonderful marriages and we're shut up with our husband, which I am. We're in isolation. <laughs> <laughs> and we're learning to live together. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we have been separated in mission, as you know, 10 years when he traveled eight months of the year. And so I learned to do without a husband then. That was a long time ago. And now I've got him back full time because we've, we've <laughs> not been together in mission either. Oh. And we just keep your sense of humor, okay? <laughs> Laughter is medicine. <laughs> <laughs> then if you've got the kids on top of it, especially teenagers, I'm going to pray especially for you. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's talk about a moment in your life. I would love to hear a story from your past of where you, you know, something that that has been harder than this, something that has been darker than this and how God's provided. I think I want to say something about fear, as you know. Now you know me a little bit. I have about 102 sermons on it. All good illustrations, <laughs> personal. But just so the rest of you that have no idea who I am, when my little one, uh, my first baby, we were alone at a big castle. It was a youth center. And we were at one of the lodges, gorgeous castle. And then there were lodges, little tiny houses at the gates. And we were in one of those. So I was pretty well alone. And then my husband began to travel for that mission. And that was when I was alone for those eight years, uh, raising three kids, actually. But my first baby, he didn't talk for ages. Now, I'm an educator. And I should have realized he was nearly two. And all he did was mm, 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 and point. One day I thought, uh, Stuart happened to be home for a brief month. And he was up at the office. And suddenly he talked. Yeah, he said two words. And I looked at him in joy and put him in the little pram and rushed up to tell my husband and ran into the office with three spinster ladies there. And I said, he talked, he talked, he said something. And so Stuart Ever the inspector, who's a bank inspector, said, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, he said, oh, dear. <laughs> Jenny, where had he heard it? There was only <laughs> me and him. <laughs> That's who I am. I wouldn't know where to start. I think fear and, and fear of something people look at you and say, really? If that's a fear that is paralyzing you, that is very important. The devil will make you, he's the master of fear. Probably some of my missionary experiences. I think of one with Whitcliffe when the country was in turmoil with 
they captured some missionaries actually from our church and other people's churches and they were in the forest by Whitliffe Center and the head of Whitliffe called us and said I want you and Stuart to come we're going to fly in because it's surrounded with all these people and we need to go and Whitliffe had gathered everybody in that war that was going on their center and they had a school there of 600 missionary kids but it meant flying in over the people surrounding the place and I just froze and Stuart said Jill I'm going it'd probably be easier for me if you didn't but you have to find out what God wants you to do and I could not say yes took me a long time and in the end I had to tell them whether I was going or not I stayed home from church it was Christmas just like this and Christmas day was on a Sunday and Stuart went out and he said tell me when I come back So I went up to the study and I started reading some things. We were editing for people and one was Heroes. It wasn't a Christian book, actually, but many Christian stories in it. And I went to the Christian stories. It didn't help. It was martyrs. (laughs) I was reading. And so I said, Lord, this is, this is, I can't do this. Right at the bottom of one of the chapters was a little Double, it was a poem, but I can only remember the last two lines. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. And so I got down and went on my knees and said, I'll go, Lord. Jenny, I went frightened. I stayed frightened. And I will never stop being grateful I went because of what that did, not only for the kids in that school, but for me. And it's the biggest lesson. Do not let the devil frighten you to be a statue of fear and just say, Lord, give me enough courage to be obedient. And then just take the first step and you'll find the courage is waiting for you after you've taken the first step into the situation. Jill, you are more passionate about sharing Jesus with people than almost anybody I've ever met, and you've done it for so long. Talk about why, why your hope would be that we all would want to share Jesus the way you've shared Jesus. It's a choice, Jenny. That's what scares me. That gives you a joy in the midst of fear that nothing does. Joy is Jesus, God in Galilean cloth, making my heart smile. He gives you enough light enough laughter and come back to this Jill how can you say laughed laughter it's medicine look for the strange look for the look for that it's a release I don't know I, I want Stuart to write something on humor actually I mean if he hadn't married me I was so so I remember him saying to me when we first got married you're not much fun Jill <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't you know and Thank God that he has the greatest sense of humor. He's known for his humor. I mean, God knew that he would keep me alive till I was 86. <laughs> no, I'm not saying laugh at, at terrible things at all. But I'm just saying joy is deeper than happiness. Happiness, as Stuart says, happens to happen if your happenings happen to want them to happen. Joy is deeper than that. It's a settledness. It's a peace, actually. I, you can't have joy without peace, peace without joy. Peace that passes understanding is, is this far greater than just happy happenings. Joy is a deep sense of he's here. It's a consciousness he's with you. 
First, it starts in the head. And depending on the situation, it's not going to last in your heart if you've just lost your sister or whatever. Read the Psalms, guys. Just read the Psalms. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. Joy is the conscious presence of God within your soul. And your soul is within you. And I can't explain it or describe it. I'm just telling you, that is what happens when you cast yourself on the Lord. Mm -hmm. For life, for death, and for everything in between. And uh, I just love to think, Jenny, that anyone that's hearing this, even now, would just, well, while we're talking, you don't need to go somewhere to do it. You just say, help! <laughs> I, I'm encouraged with Jesus, it says in Hebrews, with loud cries, he pled to his father, is there any other way than the cross? It's talking about Gethsemane. And his father said, if there was, I would have found it. If I hadn't chosen to have the human race in heaven with me, I wouldn't have had to send you to die terrible death on the cross. And Jesus said, then not my will, but thine. And so there will be times for us that we have to die to ourselves and to what's happening and just get on with it. I've found in hospice work and things like that, nothing talks more than my tears. You don't need to find words. That sermon I did on Job's comforters, they left all their home and everything. They saw him from afar and they cried and they sat with him for seven days saying nothing, okay? Just go, just be there. Don't worry about words. That taught me how to go and listen. We don't listen, we're starting a lecture, especially as speakers. <laughs> we get a little hint of something. <laughs> listen till you listen to get, get it. Because usually what they start and tell you, there's something else. Listen long enough to get to the what's wrong. Oh, I'll tell you a little story. When I first came here, culture shock. I'd never been before. I emigrated. Stuart had traveled here 10 years before. I went to the first supermarket down the road. But when I got in, it was loud. And I met American women. <laughs> and they were, I thought, it was really loud. They were all talking about anything at the top of the voice. <laughs> and I was a bit shocked. And so I'm by the cornflakes. I remember where I was. And these two ladies are chatter, 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 chatting loud. And then suddenly I listened to them and they were talking about somebody, their friend, whose husband was leaving them. So I, I literally moved away and they sort of followed me down the aisle. And I realized they were talking about my next door neighbor. Now, I hadn't met her yet. I'd been here three months. I wasn't waiting to be introduced, which Brits do, but that's never got out of me, being taught properly. Wait till you're introduced before you talk to anyone in a crowd or in a new place. I got home with my groceries and the car was standing out there and it was happening. And uh, there was the gentleman and he's putting his stuff in the big car and I thought, he's going. It's true. It was her. I haven't met her yet. So I go in, make myself a cup of tea, which is what you do in times of crisis, to get my Bible and immediately knew that I had to get myself over there. But I didn't know if that was done just to go because you always have to wait for an opportunity or something that happens. You don't just go in England. And so after my cup of tea, I thought, well, I rang my youth pastor's wife. I said, 
Jane, do, this is what's happening. What do I do? And she said, well, it's diff a little difficult, Jill. I think I'd just go, just go. I said, okay. And I walked across. That was one of the hardest things I ever did. I was so out of context and frightened. Knocked on the door. I didn't pray that she wouldn't open it, but something like that. She opened it, Tears Street. And I did what Job's comforters did. I just said, I am so sorry. I just had to go. There was silence. She put her hands up to her face. And I thought, this isn't working. What do I do? How do I get out of this? And she said, come in. Grab my sweater and put me inside. I thought, oh, that's what they do in America. <laughs> so here I am with my sweet next door neighbor. And I thought, well, what did Job's comforters do? They just listened. And I did for an hour. I'm a total stranger. Most intimate things shared. At the end, I cried. So you just go and you listen. And you cry. And then it was time for me to go and get the kids from school. And I said, dear, I have to go, but I can come back again. And she looked at me and she said, thank you so much for everything you said. I, Jenny, I hadn't said anything <laughs> I had, right? And whether it's within your home and you're shut up with those situations, take an opportunity to listen to your kids, if it's a child or your husband. If you're a woman, obviously, if you're a man, and you happen to be listening to this to your wife until you get it. And maybe then there could be a, even a reconciliation because hopefully she'll listen to you too. And this could be an opportunity for reconciliation in relationships and also for learning how a teenager works. They, they can keep outside your house as soon as they hit 13 and you just never, you know, never get to know them that you have an opportunity, you have no choice. Yes, of course, do all the things that you're getting hints of, of games and all of the rest of it, but just learn to listen. Use this opportunity to listen as you've never listened before, and God will give you the words or the tears to speak. Jill, will you pray for everybody listening right now? Oh Lord, this is an unusual shock to all of us little humans on your planet. But Lord, we know the one steady thing. You are a rock. You are a mountain. You are solid. You are reliable. And as we pray, we ask you for endurance. And we ask the opportunity this gives us to speak to our family we will never ever have again. You've brought them all to us. <laughs> Thank you. I pray for peace in your heart while there's conflict around you. I pray you would be a messenger of peace. And I pray for your people all over the world. Would you bring eternal, incredible life, help in their dying? I've been there where you have manifested yourself in reality. And I haven't a doubt you'll be doing it again. But Lord, help them in the endurance until they see you face to face. And then help us to realize this could be the most useful time of our lives. So help us to remember, as I always say, the mission fields between your own two feet at any given time. Start in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We'll do it, Lord. Help us. Amen. 
I just want to say thank you because so many of you have really jumped into this community and you've listened to every episode and some of you are new and I just want to welcome you. And I'll tell you what, what has meant the most to us is you guys leaving reviews. We read every single one of them. And honestly, some of you guys have me in a little puddle crying because they are so meaningful. So thank you so much for doing that. And those of you that have been a part of this, go leave a review. I'm telling you, it means something. It means something to us, but it also means something to help other people find it and know what it's about.